dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Hello, Dear Chiefs podcast listeners. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Audra and Chelsea's here too. Say hi, Chelsea. Hey, guys. We've got Emily here today. Chelsea, take it away. We hope you've been enjoying the season so far. We did a poll at the beginning of season two on Instagram asking for recommendations on guests and topics for the podcast. A brave listener submitted the idea of having an average Joe on the show and volunteered herself. This is how we met Emily Marasso. Raised in Southern California, Emily is a firewife of def- of nine years and mom of two young boys. She's worked in marketing and media for over 10 years for different industries. Emily is a huge mental health advocate as she has suffered with depression and anxiety since childhood. She hopes that by sharing her story today, that she can give strength and hope to others. Okay, Miss Emily, tell us a little bit more about you. Where do you want to start? Um, I guess we can start at the beginning. I mean, give you a little bit of a timeline of Jordan and I and how we met. So we can we'll start from Jordan since he's the firefighter. That's my husband. Um, he is a son of actually a 25 year San Diego fire department veteran. So his dad was in the fire department for 25 years and that's what sparked his interest in the fire department. So when he was early high school, 2002 to 2003, he started off with the San Diego city cadet program. So he was actually on the Cedar Fire running supplies and setting up camps. So after doing that with, you know, public service, he thought it was the right move to go to the military. So from 2005 to about 2011, he served on the Army National Guard. He was stationed at the border for a year, and then he was actually deployed to Baghdad uh, for Special Ops Airborne in 2007 and 2008. So while he was over there, they were on patrol and his Hummer ran over an IED and he was injured in combat. So he had to go through therapy in combat. And I'm sorry I get emotional. It's just because he's, he's my hero, just the things that he's gone through so early in life. Like it really is incredible like to hear his story. I tell him all the time, you should write a book. Like your life is so incredible. You really need to write a book. Yeah. But after that, um, he was honorably discharged. So he did 2009 to 2011, he did inactive reserves. So he was um, recommending people and, you know, still serving and doing little things on the side, but he was doing electrical on his downtime. He actually had a degree in electrical. So about 2010, July, we met total, just, you know, out of the blue, a friend and of mine and a friend of his actually set us up without knowing like, Hey, get her to the house and I'll get him to the house and we'll have a meet. 
So we get to talking and it was just, it was instant chemistry. I mean, I was just out of a long-term relationship. He was too. So it was, it was kind of murky because I wasn't really to jump back in, but I knew that there was just something about him. I was like, he told me his whole life story straight up front. And it was just so moving. And I was like, I, I have to get to know this guy more. So we ended up moving in together a month later and he was paying all of my bills. He was paying his own bills. He was actually on unemployment at the time. So he was using his unemployment to support us while still paying for his other place that his brother was living in just because he wanted to be with me. So it was either you come and drive to spring Valley, which is 45 minutes from where I was to see me, or I'm just going to stay with you. So it it just kind of happened. (laughs) Well, fast forward to that same year, December, we got engaged and my dad is full Japanese. He's very much tiger parent. You know, there's a strict timeline of what he expects his kids to achieve and when, and he had asked, you know, can you at least wait until she's 25? He had this number 25. He wanted me to wait until I got married. Well, three months later, we found out I was pregnant. Birth control (laughs) doesn't always work. Let me tell (laughs) you. So yeah, avid birth control taker and I got pregnant. So Got married in May of 2011. I was three months pregnant and Jordan was laid off from construction. So we went through a really hard time, you know, welcoming, getting ready to welcome a new baby and construction was off and on. So we struggled for a while. We lived with a friend and, you know, we were renting rooms and just trying to do what we could to stay independent, but still stable. So that started causing a lot of uh, my depression from childhood to flare up. And then of course, with him being laid off his PTSD, of course, started to flare up too. So when race was born, we found out that San Diego fire department was going to be doing a mass hire. I guess they had a big turnover of people transferring and retiring out and moving up. So Mm -hmm. there was going to be a big need for firefighters in the city. And his dad had, you know, this inside scoop. So he's like, get to Emsta now, get your EMT and start working on ambulances now. We just thought, perfect. This is the perfect time. He's out of work. Let's do this. So went through Emsta with a brand new baby at home. And I'm sure, you know, EMT school, nothing compared to paramedic school, but EMT school is five nights a week. And it's a lot of book work and a lot of studying. So he was going and doing side jobs and what he could during the day, turning around, going straight to school all night and then coming home. So there was little time for him to be able to help me. So a little bit of resentment started building up and that resentment always tied to the fire department. You know, I saw what his mom went through with five kids doing it by herself with, you know, Mark, his dad going through it. So it's a lot. So he ends up going and bouncing around from EMT companies for a while. It's not very stable. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was kind of like construction. Like there's a really high turnover rate in just regular BLS transport, especially because he wasn't with one of the bigger ambulance companies that was running um, calls, I guess, alongside the, the fire department, like the contracted companies. So he 
still bouncing back and forth. And he ends up getting a job with Santa Isabel fire after he gets out of EMT school, because San Diego still wasn't announcing their hiring yet. So he got on with Santa Isabel fire and that was awesome. He got a lot of experience, just long commute. So then he was picked up by the forest service as a seasonal. So this was like June, 2013. And that was for active fire season. He was out in a Hakumba and he was only picking up the stipend shifts. So for fire reserves in the forest service, they have a certain amount of like employed firefighters and then they'll pick up reserves and the reserves can volunteer. And then there's a certain amount of stipend. So paid shifts available to volunteers. So he was only picking up stipend shifts. So sometimes it was two days paid and then two days not paid. And then sometimes he was there for three days. Sometimes he was there for five days. Like we never knew when he was coming home. So that was really hard, you know, and for service, you could be off and they call you up and go get your bags ready. We're being sent out on, you know, a brush and you're like, okay, you know, it's one of those things where he left and went to work and we didn't know when he was going to come home. So And that so you had hard. what uh, you had a two-year-old at that time. I had, yeah, he was, he was about two at okay. that time. So luckily we were in a condo and I had a really awesome support group of friends within our housing unit. And then also our families, our families are both local to us. So that was a huge support system. So that helped a lot besides having my husband's mom, my mother-in-law to kind of give me that emotional support because at that time. I didn't know anybody else in the fire department who was going through this. Like I was all by myself. Like my girlfriends weren't married. I was the first one to get married and have kids. I didn't know what I was doing. And then to be in this whole different world, you know, you know, most of my girlfriends, boyfriends are, you know, not to bash, but working regular blue collar jobs. And then there's my husband, you know, so it was just, it was a hard thing to relate and to find support. So after that year in the forest service as a seasonal, they made him permanent. So he was an apprentice firefighter then. And that was probably one of the busiest jobs that we have ever had. I mean, that was in the peak of fire season. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember it was crazy. It was like fires were popping up every couple of days. And then that one fire would jump and it would classify as two more fires. So it was, okay, we're going to send you to fire A, but fire B just started. So when you finish your, your 21 day rotation there, we're going to send you home for eight hours. And then we're going to send you back to fire B. So our listeners reference, this is 2015, correct? Yes. Well, this is is when 14. So this was, I want to say it was Northern California was being hit really, really bad. Uh, this is during the time that the valley fire was popping off we had the rocky fire um the jerusalem fire lake county was like blowing up sonoma county blew up um so yeah for our for our listeners reference we've had three episodes now about this particular time frame that we're now talking about it felt like there was a period of three or four years where the fires were just bad. I mean, I know fire season's always bad in different parts, but just I'm here in San Diego and for our fire season, like there was a good four years where it was just 
every single season, like we counted down the days and we're like, okay, let's make bets how soon it is before it gets sent out. So after, so that was, that was May, March of 14, he was made permanent. And then we had our second in July of 14. So we had our second boy and I had really bad postpartum with him. I mean, postpartum, like I've never experienced. I had it a little bit with my first, but it got really bad with my second. And then Jordan was sent on the July complex fire. So that was a string of fires. I think they, I think they said it was a fire bug where they just lit up San, like Southern San Diego County. So it was all the way from Oceanside Camp Pendleton all the way down to the border. It was, we have t-shirts from, you know, the camps that they set up and it's just the California map and it's just all the different fires. And I'm getting goosebumps because I still remember watching the news with my newborn and my three and a half year old going, he's on that fire. Okay. We're good. Oh my gosh. Wait, that fire started. Oh no. Oh man. Now this one. And it was just like the domino. And I just remember the call pack something just in case, like just in case pack something. And he always had told me, I will never tell you to pack unless I, unless I know something like you don't, like you're going to have to get up and leave. And I've only think I've heard him say it twice in the 10 years we've been together. So I think we're okay. And he's still at this time, he's still with forest service, correct? U.S. forest service. Yeah. He's still with the forest service. So they were, well, that's all blowing up, right? So while well, that service was up, on fire too, Northern California is also blowing up. Correct. So you have Southern California blowing up and then shortly, not even like a few weeks later, Northern California starts popping off fires too. Did the he, entire state was on fire. Yeah. They, well, yeah, but I mean, it was within weeks of each other. I only remember that because Cameron was working in Lake County at that time and he was in, um, He was also, not only was he working as a firefighter, but he was also on a, um, a team. Mm -hmm. And so an auxiliary team that went in and helped with dispatch. Um, and his team got activated and he had been on duty for like, I don't know, two weeks. And we were supposed to be leaving for our anniversary trip to Maui. And he called me and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on the plane with you. Like you might have to go ahead of me and you might have to meet you there. So that's only the only reason I remember that. And it was because Southern California was blowing up. And Northern California, just like within a couple of weeks was blowing up at the same time. So my question is, did he end up going from Southern California's fires up to Northern California's or is that? He did. So he okay. did a seven days, a seven day like stay in the July complex. And then they turned around. He came home showered, changed, slept and left first thing in the morning and went to Northern California for two and a half, almost three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I had a three week old and a three and a half year old. So, so how I know, like I, they get 14 days, right. Is their cutoff where they get sent home or they 21. can be extended to 21. Correct. Mm-hmm. So okay. after so 14, you guys have- they get the hazard pay. Right. Okay. So all the hazard pay kicks in and all the overtime. So, I mean, selfishly fire season for us is good because I mean, the money that comes in is good, but the wear and tear that it takes on him, money can't pay for that, you know, and the families and the property and, you know, just everything. 
Yeah. So wait a minute. A let's, let's say that again. Cause I don't think people understand this. Um, and Chelsea and I talk about this a lot. Yeah. The overtime is great, but the wear and tear on your family is sometimes not worth the overtime. And I think and, we've had that repeated yeah. to us several times in many of our podcasts. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if, if they were getting a, maybe if they were getting a livable wage um, all year, uh, we wouldn't rely on the overtime so much, but the havoc that it wreaks on your home life and on these firefighters minds and bodies is not worth it sometimes. I think the best well, piece of advice I've ever heard given by any chief ever within the department was when Cameron graduated company offered officers Academy. And he said, the reason that you have vacation is to take it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys mentioning that on another podcast recently, like you have it, it's scheduled, take it, whether you go to where you were supposed to go or not take the time it's scheduled it's in the books do it yeah so I mean with him I mean just like you said the overtime is great but it does take a lot of wear and tear on your family and when he's home he's not home I mean he's still getting calls because he was doing trainings he was really helpful to his department so it's calling hey who did this truck last who, you know, who used this truck last, do you know where this paperwork is? This guy called out sick. So it's never a turn. It never gets turned off. And that's where a lot of our struggles started. I started to resent the fire department so much because in my mind, it was, you're there all the time. You almost never leave. And then when you're here, you're not here. He would come in on the phone from work with work. And I would, I'm not even going to lie. I went psycho wife. I mean, postpartum was rearing its ugly head and I was laying down, you know, it's me or the fire department. I said, I can't do this. I said, I didn't date you when you were in the military because I can't do the distance. I said, I'm not made for that. And I said, I'm used to you being construction home every night, helping me with kids. Like that's my routine. I didn't choose this. You did. And I'm trying to support you and I'm trying not to resent you and throw it in your face because I want you to be the person you can be and fulfill your dreams. But I hate the fire department. And I always used to get so mad because I told him it's me or the fire department. And he would say it's the fire department because it provides a future for our kids and for you. If we do ever split up, he was always so adamant on I'm never going to have kids with another woman. I want to have one baby mama to deal with. God forbid something ever happens. And I want to be able to financially still support you if things ever go wrong because you are the mother of my kids. So Chelsea and I are shaking our heads because I think we've definitely been in your shoes and have probably had similar conversations with our husbands um, because you, you, you feel like um, they are choosing something other than you. And it, it's very frustrating when you don't understand it. And especially when you're um, knee deep in diapers with two kids, you're basically doing everything by yourself. You can't rely on them. You don't know their schedule. Um, and there's so many unknowns and you have just major hormones from postpartum. No kidding. Um, I, 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 
completely I mean you're giving me flashbacks girl like (laughs) I know it's I know it's bad it's it and it's the thing where you know you don't think when you're saying those things to them like it's me or the fire department you know some of the hardest calls that Jordan ever went on were during that stint in the forest service when I was also at home telling him I wanted to leave him because he was choosing that job so here he is internally struggling like I'm saving lives and I'm seeing really effed up stuff. But my wife is telling me that she's going to leave me because I want to keep doing this. So it was that internal struggle. So it started, it started to get bad. It snowballed. So that, so a a year later, after our son was born, San Diego finally put out the notice that they were going to be doing a academy for the city. Excuse me. So goes in, goes through all the interviews, his last name. We weren't expecting his last name to help him because his dad was really known in the fire department, but we knew that a lot of guys knew him because he grew up in the fire department, you know, every holiday, birthdays, celebrations, they were all at the department. So he went through the interviews and he got a lot of trouble and they were really hard on him, but he did it all on his own. Um, He did have a veteran's preference because of his time in the military. So that helped a little bit, but he still, even without the veterans preference was able to get in. And so San Diego city fire department I've heard is one of the most difficult academies. They have a very high bailout rate and it's the first couple of weeks, it's all books and quizzes. And then they go to the physical training. So just because you get into the academy doesn't mean that you're going to become a firefighter. It doesn't mean you're going to pass. And he had already gone through uh, another academy when he got on with the county. He worked with the county for a little while. So he had already gone through one academy and was fine. So he made it two weeks into the didactic portion. So the books and the quizzes, and then he failed out. But what the hardest part about that, what that academy was, is that San Diego, they do a, uh, a meeting with the families when you get into academy and they introduce you to the instructors that the guys are going to be having. And it's almost like a swear in and they tell you what to expect, uh, that your spouses are going to be going through in your families and things like that. And I just remember sitting in this room and I'm probably one of the youngest ones in there. You know, I don't have my kids with me because I had a sitter, but you know, I'm probably one of the youngest ones. And I just remember the guy going, we tell all of our firefighters in academy to move out of their homes. And we tell them to ignore their families and pretend like they don't have them so they can focus on academy and that they can complete it and not have any distraction. Whoa! And I just remember sitting there going, (laughs) no, what? (laughs) I'm I'm like, wait a second. And I know Jordan's sitting in the front row with all the guys and his back is to me, but I can feel his face and I can feel the faces of parents and brothers and sisters and things around me. And there's some other people and they're like, yeah, okay. Like my son's going to, you know, my son is doing it. And I'm like, hell no. My husband's, I got two kids at home. I'm postpartum. Right. I don't think so. Right. (laughs) So I already going into this Academy with already resentment with the fire department. And then I hear this and I'm like, (laughs) okay, so what do I do? I try and do everything I can to support Jordan to get through helping him with flashcards. I mean, 
we did strip flashcards. We did date night flashcards. We did everything. I mean, I would drive and he would read through his books. I would, you know, pop quiz questions, walking past him in the hallway, anything we could to get him through this academy. And it still wasn't enough. And it broke him. It broke him so bad Mm. because all he wanted was to follow in his dad's footsteps and be, you know, city firefighter. And, you know, we were all so proud and it was just like, not even to make it out of the first portion, not to mention he has a severe learning disability and he not once asked for assistance. They offered him assistance and he said, no, I want to do it just like everybody else. He's like, I don't want the help. So that took a lot for him to come back from. He was severely depressed for a very, very, very long time. And he didn't go, he wasn't on, he wasn't in therapy. He wasn't on medication. So it was just, I'm dealing with postpartum. He's dealing with his depression now. So it was just like the constant battling of heads and that D word divorce dropped weekly. I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad. And it just got, and it got worse. So he went back to construction in 2015, working with this brother. So he was doing construction again. It was stable for a long time. So that was amazing. And then two years later, I was working at a job that I had been with for like eight plus years. I loved this company and some things had happened and I had just decided, you know, I want to try something else. You know, I've been at this company for a really long time. I want to try something different. So I moved over to another job and shortly after Jordan went to an IFSAC Academy in Texas, uh, which is not, I don't, can't remember what IFSAC stands for, but it's a two week long Academy where they get some more completions and certs to get their firefighter one and firefighter two achievements. So he was gone and he, and I was talking with some friends over text about, you know, wanting to buy a house. And he was at this academy and that, you know, we were hoping this was going to open doors and it's, you know, fight or flight has kicked in. So the memories are blurry, but it was not a great conversation. And it resulted to some really hateful words and just the postpartum, the fire department, him being gone, new job. Um, I had my first attempt at suicide. So all of those things just finally came crashing down. He had been home for maybe three days when I tried. And I just remember him coming in and being like, you need to get help. And I said, I don't want help. I don't need it. I'm fine. Like, I'm, it's, it's fine. And I remember him calling my mom. My mom gets on the phone and she's like, you need to go get help. So I agreed to go to an outpatient rehab and went through therapy and courses. And it was up hands, you know, hands clapped to Kaiser. I know everybody has their, their say, but Kaiser, they were incredible with the outpatient care and just everything that they provided me from, you know, the emergency call to getting therapy that day, getting into a class that day. I mean, they were absolutely incredible, but it led to three months off of work. So I was at home doing nothing and Jordan was still working electrical. So I went back to my old job. I went back and I said, look, like, I really like to come back. I had some personal stuff happen. I think I just, I'd like to come back. You know, this is like my safe spot. So I did. 
and I started medication. So got on a good path. And then in 2018, uh, my little sister got married and one of the people from this incident was a part of this party. So kind of started to flare some stuff back up, but we were trying to focus on the positive because Jordan had gotten a firefighter job. He was working electrical for all these years and finally got a permanent job with the Department of Defense. So he was a DOD firefighter out in El Centro. Kind of a drive, but we were just so thankful. Like our prayers were answered. You know, he wanted to get on federal so he could keep accumulating his veteran status and the retirement. And it was just, it was a blessing, you know, and the department was great for a long time. You know, they were supportive. He made a really good group of friends. He was working under a chief and a captain that he adored and were super supportive. So things were going really good. But fast forward, you know, we buy our house and things are going really great. He's got his permanent job and my depression, for some reason, it started to tumble down. You know, Jordan was working a firefighter job, but he was working a, um, an adjusted Kelly schedule. So it was like two on, two off, two on, three off. And so it was always changing. And, you know, I was working Monday through Friday. So my two days off were Saturday, Sunday, and it was always his days he had to work. So we were always just, you know, creatures passing in the night, basically. So depression started to flare up again. And I had a second attempt at harming, you know, suicide in 2018. So Jordan, again, put me back in treatment, took some weeks off, and it really started to put a toll on our marriage. So we started marriage counseling, and that was provided through IEP through his department. I'm so thankful from where we went with the San Diego Academy to El Centro to the people wanting to support him and knowing like this life is not easy for your spouses and your families. We know that. So we're going to give you six sessions with a provided counselor to assist. And he's incredible. We still see him. I mean, we love him. We adore him. And I was so thankful that Jordan agreed to go. It was his idea. He brought it to me and therapy, you know, having feelings and emotions and PTSD in the fire department, in the military, as a man, it's not, it's not easy and people don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. My husband is an open book. He loves to talk about it because he struggled and he knows that he can talk to somebody and someone else will understand. So I decided during marriage counseling that I was going to leave my company again, turned into a super toxic place. And I ended up leaving and getting a job with my best friend's company. And it was just everything changed from there. I mean, everything changed from there. I was doing better. I was on medication that was working. Work was going great for Jordan. And then early 2020, before COVID hit, Jordan started going through some battles at work. He was being uh, demographically profiled because he wasn't a local. So we live about an hour and a half from his station and he wasn't a local. So he was passed up for promotions. He was targeted. He was harassed. He was bullied. I mean, 
things that you would only see in like lifetime movies were happening within the station and no one was doing anything about it. And it started getting really frustrating and it started coming home again. So he was here, but it was, it was just a shell. He was here on the phone, you know, constantly talking to people, constantly mentoring people who were going through the same thing, making calls to chiefs and captains, having to report incidents and, you know, just so many things. And then when he's at work, you know, that's their living space. They can't leave. They don't check out of work at the end of the day and come home. They have to sleep in this area with these people. Like you don't realize that toll that that takes on your mental health, not being able to get away to a safe space. And especially when the department's not helping, you know, it's like, what do you do? So he applied to become an engineer for his department and went through an interview with him and one other guy and three of the chiefs voted or two of the chiefs voted for him. And one of the chiefs voted for the other guy and the other guy got it because Jordan wasn't a local. So we started looking into taking action against the department because there was so many other things filed and so many other examples of him being profiled and discriminated against and nothing was being done. So we put in for a transfer to San Diego federal fire. So it took a couple of months, but that process is going on. He's dealing with this at work and our youngest son river at this time is six. And one day just has a seizure and the middle of nowhere seizes call, you know, no, I call the hospital. What do I do? What do I do? You know, bring them in. They bring them in, you know, Oh, it should be fine. We'll have a specialist call you. We'll come to find out he had a brain tumor. So we're going through all this with Jordan's work. And now we've got my youngest son who has a brain tumor. I'm Wait, time home. out, time out, <laughs> time out. <laughs> so your six-year-old has a brain tumor, brain tumor. Okay. And it's sitting up against his corticospinal tract, which controls all of his motor functions. Oh, baby. It's about the size of a pea, which is great, but it's really deep inside the center of his brain. So it was difficult to remove. So this is all happening July. Jordan's still dealing with crap at the fire department. Now he's having to take extra time off. And, you know, that's obviously being talked about because it's special treatment. And it's special treatment because your son has a brain tumor (laughs) and he's got to take days off and call out. And there was a couple of times where he had to leave shifts in the middle of shifts because I had to go to the hospital and it was COVID. So I couldn't bring my other son with me. So there was a lot of times where I had to wait for someone to meet me here or for him to meet me to even go to take care of what I needed to do with river. So there was times where he would seize and I would need to, I would need to go and have to wait for someone to come here. So COVID really messed up this whole process. I mean, the process is messed up as it is, my kid having a brain tumor, but COVID really didn't help. So the filing and everything is going on and his fire department really stepped up. They were so supportive after, you know, the diagnosis and everything they knew that we were going to have to go through with River, his union, which he was a part of, don't even get me started on the union. 
they were sending, you know, gifts. They sent him this amazing, you know, Nintendo Switch packet because they knew he was going to be on bed rest for after after his surgery and just calls and prayers and just the people who were so ugly before were really coming out and being like, wow, there's other things we need to be worrying about right now. Like this is petty crap. And the department really pulled through and some changes were made, but it was almost too little too late because Jordan got transferred to San Diego. So hallelujah. He's closer to home now. He is working in such a diverse department. It's incredible. I mean, he has everything ranging from, you know, every, every origin you could think of black, white, Hispanic, LGBTQ. I mean, everything he works with women, he works with men. And it's so awesome to see how embracing the department is of it. And it's just crazy to think this is the same, this is the same department, you know, it's DOD, it's federal, it's just one city to the next. And just how different they were with treating their firefighters is it's crazy that it's not just across the board. But he's so happy where he's at now. And we're so thankful for, you know, coming up on 10 years in May that we didn't divorce. I'm thankful. And, you know, long therapy sessions about how toxic it is to use that as a weapon or as a ultimatum and things like that. So that's one of our no-no words. We're not allowed to say the word divorce or that we want to leave each other. So it's difficult every day, but we're getting there. And I'm thankful that I can say that after 10 years, we've made it. And we are, I honestly say I can, I'm, I'm so happy. And I love my husband more than life itself. And I don't know what I would do without him. Yes. I think one of the first things our counselor taught us was do not use the D word when you are mad. Yeah. We quickly struck that from the vocabulary because it's just one of those things where you're like, just a flash. And then, you know, you go through, you go to your immediate, like safe space and the counselor's like, no, that's not your safe space. You idiot. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that does not help what your current situation is, you know? So, right. so, yeah, so you have had the, well, you've had the craziest year. Um, how is your son doing? incredible he had the tumor removed in october and it's benign so he's had no seizures in almost six months and it's like nothing ever happened i mean they told me kids are resilient they told me he would bounce back but you don't believe it till you see it i mean he woke up from surgery and said all right i want to go home i want to go home i want to see my dogs i want to be in my bed it was it was insane, but he is, he is a spark plug, man. He is sassy and it's caused a little bit of learning disability for him, but we expected that with the trauma from where it was located, but motor skills are attached motor functions. He's, he's doing incredible. We're so blessed and we're so thankful. And how is your, how is your husband doing like now? I mean, he's a different person. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how from one shift to the next, you see the change. Mm -hmm. I told him, I said, are you nervous? He said, well, I'm going into a department as a firefighter coming as from being an engineer. So I'm the new guy, but I'm not the new guy. 
So for the first couple shifts, it was weird, like trying to figure out where he was supposed to fit in. Mm-hmm. But he said everyone he's met has been super cool and really nice and just accepting and wants to get to know him. I mean, we already got invited on our first desert camping like family trip with guys from his department. So we're actually going camping with them next week. So looking forward to meeting some families. I love that. So hopefully make awesome. some friends. That's so good. That's yeah. Oh man. So this is crazy. You have the just wildest story. Um, I know I'm surprised. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I was surprised when you guys were open to sitting down and talking with me because I I found you guys shortly after you started your podcast because, you know, I was looking for support. I didn't have that support and I was just looking for anything, you know, and I happened to stumble upon you guys and just was like, this is literally a blessing from God. Like this is so great. And just listening to the people that you guys interview, you know, from Ashley Iverson to, you know, the O's and just everything. It was, it was tiny fangirl moment when I got the message back, like, let's get this scheduled. So it was super, super cool. So I want to thank you guys for letting me, you know, share my story because I'm not, a blogger. I'm not an influencer. You know, I don't have a huge following. You know, I haven't made some amazing, incredible foundation out of my struggles. So it was hard to justify why would anybody want to hear from me? But that's the thing is not just the people with high followers and all these amazing foundation starters have struggles. We all do. And, you know, I'm I'm almost 33. I was a young mom. I jumped into this really early. I'm sure someone else is going through that too. So if I can help just one person, even just to hear my story and go, Oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that felt like this or did this like and shame themselves for it. It's, 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 you know, it warms my heart. It makes me feel good. And that is exactly why we have people like you on our podcast because Chelsea and I are the same. We're not influencers. We are real wives struggling with the same things that you struggle with. And we've been through it and, you know, we're a little older, not too much older. Okay. (laughs) But we had babies young. We got married young. We went through all this shit, just like you. Um, We are still here. We're still human. We're still raw from dealing with all of the trauma of being a spouse. And we want to make sure people like you, before you get to this level of bullshit in your life, know, no kidding. Know that other people are doing the exact same thing and going through the exact same thing as you. I mean, granted, you've had some shit the last year. I can't even imagine <laughs> COVID just in a hole and then having a sick son. No, I don't even think I would be able to talk about it yet. Yeah. Let me tell you when they say strong as a mother, strong as a mother, let me tell you, I mean, this year has really taught me what strength is. And I thought I went through BS before, but I know that I can handle anything now. I mean, my son had a tumor. I can go, I can survive anything. Yeah. And COVID didn't help. You know, I've been working 
so blessed that my company has let me work remote for the last almost year. We're coming up on March 20th will be exactly a year I've been working remote and teaching and nursing and, you know, everything else. So it's, yeah, it's been a year. No kidding. Holy moly. But I I agree with Audra. That's exactly what this podcast is about. It, you know, we actually started it on a whim because we were both feeling very overwhelmed by COVID and very overwhelmed by fire season. Cause we started why why we're crazy enough to start this fire season in California. <laughs> don't ask us. I mean, we're kind of those kind of people. It's like, okay, there's something going on. Let's pile some more on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we just had a conversation one day and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there were other people out there that were willing to share their stories and we could make one, just one fire wife or one paramedics wife feel a little less alone in the world. Um, and then we got this brilliant idea of, well, what if we brought on experts to talk about things that you'd have to go to a conference for and pay for a class to hear? And so we want that to be a free encouraging resource to our fellow firewives and our first responder, you know, family, because that's really what this is. This is a huge ginormous network of family members and you just have to find Find your your little niche inside of that. Um, and I'm hoping for you during your camping trip, you find that because we Audra and I found each other on Instagram. So <laughs> and I was just gonna say, I have met some and found some really incredible people through your podcast and through the Instagram. I mean, and I'm so bad because I only ever pay attention to Instagram tag names. I really should start trying to put people's, you know, faces, names, but, um, on being resilient, she's been incredible watching her stories and just seeing the recommendations that she has. Kristen, who, uh, firefighter wife life. I actually took some of her tips for journaling and just having, you know, date night stuff. I love her. She, her and her husband are adorable. Yes. I've, you know, Minda owes the book, just being able to have that resource. I listened to the podcast. You guys, I want to say his name is Jason from the rescuer. I told my husband, oh, like, you've got to listen myself. to this audio book. This is, you know, I make him listen to them with me and a <laughs> lot of, it. um, well, I, we do, you know, we do a lot of commuting for camping. So he listened to the rescuer episode with me and there was just so many things where I was nodding and he would start to make comments and it just, it sparks good conversation and the resources that you guys provide yourselves through your guests or your Instagram, the community. It's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible and so helpful. Oh, you're making me feel all, all fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it's, what, that's what we want right there. That, yep. That's what this is about. Nothing more, nothing less. We honestly season. never thought that we'd even have guests. Like we're like, oh, well, are we going to just record us talking? Is anybody going to listen to that? Right. And yeah. so- <laughs> Eventually we're like, all right, we're not that great. Like we got to bring some other people. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't have that many stories to tell. <laughs> I mean, we probably do, but oh God, I don't know. It'd be boring. It's much more fun this way. We're having a good time and we're Definitely. happy to we're happy to and have besides, you on. We, need to, we have to have a reason to sit down and talk over coffee every week, right? Right. So I know a not. reason to lock the bedroom door and not bother me for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Audra, should we get to the hot seat? Let's do it. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so first question, what is the last book that you read? So last book I read and finished was Colleen Hoover's Verity. Highly recommend. I'm not a huge reader, but I could not put it down. Could not put it down. Colleen Hoover is my favorite author in the planet. I've actually met her. I'm obsessed with her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Did you I read goosebumps. Did you read Slammed? Have you ever read the Slam series? No, but somebody Must recommended another book from her series that I need to pick up. Basically, um, if well, Hopeless might be kind of triggering for you, so I don't recommend it. Um, but uh, it it was really triggering for me um, because it it is uh, there's a lot of suicide um, in it, so it was really triggering for me. But the anyways, I'm gonna go off on Colleen Hoover. We're gonna have our own podcast about this. <laughs> yeah, but her books are incredible. Slammed is fantastic I mean I could name like five billion other ones but I'll spare you but oh my gosh you just she basically brought me back to loving to read again so exactly so before I had read that book I really hadn't read anything I mean I'm a huge Harry Potter you know buff I love Harry Potter but I was reading a lot of self-help Rachel Hollis I read you know a couple of under one other ones um but I just needed something different. My girlfriend recommended it. So I just finished that one. But the one I'm reading right now, I actually got from another Instagram mom. It's called Boy Mom. So on Kindle, it's like the secrets and conversations to have with boys growing up. So, so far about a chapter in, it's really good. So we'll see how that goes. I have no idea who you guys are even talking about. So I'm actually like sitting here trying to figure it out on Amazon right now. <laughs> that to my reading list <laughs> yes and Chelsea I, I will send you a book oh my gosh I, I look you guys I have them all on paperback it's so obsessed. <laughs> uh, I was gonna I, read it on kindle and wanted the book because I'm a I love to smell the pages mm-hmm, I don't read a lot but I love to smell the pages and I'm so glad I did because I was like a kid reading it underneath a blanket at night while my husband was sleeping like just one more chapter one more chapter I need to know what happens guys I just started like started reading Brene Brown and how long has she been popular oh like, god the- <laughs> yeah I'm just getting on that train okay <laughs> and I don't even know who that is so don't oh. feel bad I okay. only discovered her because of COVID honestly I I didn't know anything about her before that I think her Brene Brown, okay. or something and then I was like oh love her now anyways yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's been she's been very popular for a while now, and I'm just now catching up. So I don't know who this Colleen Hoover is, but I'll get to it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, a little bit more serious. What does integrity mean to you? Integrity. I always tell people just be a good human. Honestly, just be a good human. Have good moral principles. Do what's right. Follow the rules. My husband makes fun of me that I'm a big rule follower, but just be good. Be kind. Love it. I agree with that 100%. What TV series are you binging while your first responder is on shift? Ooh, so I just finished 
two, actually. I like to watch two at the same time so I can bounce back and forth between them. And I just finished Ginny and Georgia on Netflix and Behind Her Eyes. Ooh, what's Behind Her Eyes about? I don't think I've heard of that one. It is so good. It's really good. It's it's hard to explain, but it's it's a mind trick. Definitely a good watch. Good watch. You have to pay really close attention. It's not one of those put it on the background, play on your phone. You have to really pay attention, but it's a good one. Okay. That's going to go on the list too. What's <laughs> the weirdest thing you've ever cooked for dinner on a shift night? Oh man. There's so many. <laughs> we eat a lot of Lunchables. Lunchables are a big one at our house. I think I've made tater tots for dinner before with just cheese. Yes. Okay. That is a solid meal. Tater tot. Okay. Nacho tater tots is like one of our go-to shift night meals. (laughs) Tachos. Okay. Tachos. Nacho Mm -hmm. tater tots. We also do. You heard it first on two cheeks. (laughs) We did this thing called Leonidas fries. My husband made up. It's just, it's kind of like carne asada fries, but it's just fries seasoned chicken and he puts like Greek dressing and ranch and a bunch of white cheese and stuff on top of it. So it's like Alfredo. Um, yes. Like Alfredo fries. Okay. I'm on it. Like poutine, I guess it's really, really good. I'm on it. it. Yes. 100%. Okay. I'm gonna have to tell my, my teenager about that one. He loves fettuccine Alfredo. So we're gonna have to try Mm, that. Delicious. Um, what is one thing you would tell your younger self? Keep going. Keep effing going. You got this. Yes. I, I mean, yes, and I'm, I'm trying amen. to say it louder. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like between keep going and you are enough. I mean, that's always a big one. You are enough. Um, you know, as I said before, I struggled really bad with anxiety and depression as a kid. It started in grade school. So just telling myself, you are enough. Keep going. You got this. You'll, you'll be just fine. If not better, you'll be okay. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's all life is, is you are enough and keep on going. Amen. (laughs) I always, I hear Dory singing in the background, just keep swimming. That's one of my biggest things. I actually, Mm -hmm. I sing that to my children almost every single day, just keep swimming. Um, And eventually you'll get there. So eventually that's exactly the things that we need to tell our, our younger selves. (laughs) Um, What is one thing that you do for yourself every single day? I wake up early. I'm a big morning person. My body likes to get me up about 4.30. I don't know why, but usually about five to six is my hour that I get to journal, catch up on any of my shows, drink my coffee, do whatever I need to do, paint my toenails, mask, whatever. That's my hour. Even if the kids get up, they know like, okay, I'm going back to my room until at least six because that's mom's time. My husband knows too now. So try and do at least an hour to myself in the morning. Yeah. What is one thing that you do to reconnect with your husband after he gets off shift? Well, I mean, 
what rated version do you want? (laughs) (laughs) And we're being completely honest. What version do you want? Because I have two. All right, we got it. No, no. Okay. (laughs) I mean, besides besides the usual connecting, we we talk. We really we're both big talkers. He loves to talk on the phone and I purposefully try not to talk to him as much as I can when he's at work. So I can maintain my, you know, my schedule and my rituals and what I need to have. So when he comes home, that's our time to sit down while I drink my coffee or check my emails and just have that time. How was work? What happened while I was gone? You know, this, that, the other thing. So try and get an idea of what his days off are going to be like, what he needs to get done. So just a lot of talking. We communicate a lot. Yeah. All right. Last question. What is one thing you are grateful for? One thing I am grateful for, this is going to sound really selfish, but I'm grateful for me. Honestly, I, I'm grateful for me and just the strength that I have had in supporting my family, myself, my husband, and the challenges that we have faced. I mean, my son's health, my husband's career ups and downs and, you know, work and COVID and just my personal ups and downs. You know, I'm really thankful for me because just to think that if I wasn't here, Jordan may not be the person he is today. My kids wouldn't be here. Just the life and the friendships and memories and moments I've created wouldn't exist if it wasn't for me. And I'm always the first one to be selfless and put everybody before me and do everything for everyone else. So it's been really hard to say, like, I love me and I'm worth, and I'm worth it. I'm enough and I'm worthy. So I'm, I'm thankful for me. I think that is the best answer anybody has ever given on this podcast <laughs> because <laughs> It is true. And people need to be more grateful for themselves before they're grateful for other things. Because I think once you can appreciate yourself, you can appreciate a lot of other things that you might not appreciate. So I absolutely love that answer. Um, Yeah. So we want to thank you for being with us today, Emily. You're amazing. Uh, You bring new life to me and to Chelsea and... (laughs) I am so grateful we found you on that little Instagram. Social media sometimes can be used just so great. I swear. Um, If you guys want to follow Emily, she has a family blog on Instagram, uh, Marasso Manor, at Marasso Manor. And we want to encourage anybody who might be listening and needs support you can always reach out to us. We can help guide you to some amazing people that might be able to help you just listening to our podcasts, listening to other people share their stories that are a little bit relatable. They might help you and we can always help you. You can always DM us. We can point you in the right direction. Um, if you enjoy the podcast and you want uh, to show us your support, I can speak. We'd be so grateful if you left us a review on iTunes. You can tune in each week by finding us on your favorite listening app or visiting our website at dearchiefs.com. We can also be found on Instagram at Dear Chiefs Podcast, and we're on Facebook now. We're so fancy. Thanks for <laughs> hanging out with us. Thanks for being with us, Emily. This is Audrey and Chelsea over and out.
Thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.